master of the wind today in your life. Giving God praise today for all that he's doing and all that he's accomplishing. What a mighty, mighty God we serve. Amen. I know that we are living in perilous times. We see so much going on around us. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Savior. I can tell you this, for the Christian, any time's a great time to be alive because no matter what happens, you're a victor. Amen. If you know the Lord and Savior of your life. If you have your Bibles, I want you to stand with me. I want to share with you from the Word of God. And remind everybody tonight we will not have service here for all those that are going to the concert tonight at the conference center we pray that we'll be able to see you there worship with you there it won't be a great time we are excited about what the Lord is doing here at Stoneville I'm still trying to get together. There's been a lot of sickness, been a lot of things going on in people's lives. We haven't been able to get the meetings uh, going as quickly as we'd like to, but soon we're going to come uh, with a State of the Church address, probably be on a Saturday, uh, Sunday night uh, here very soon. And the council and I will share with you where we're at, where we're going. And, uh, and we're, we're excited about it. How many is excited about it? Amen. We're looking forward to that. Some of the things that are coming up, so uh, we are preparing for that. So I will say this, that if we do not get to have the meetings that I wanted to have with each department before then, then we'll just have to, you know, shift around that. How many knows you, you can't stop? Even though things are going on, you got to keep moving. Uh, and so if we, if we have to postpone some of those meetings, we do want to have the church meeting real soon. So we're going to be planning on doing that. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Beginning with verse 17. Have it say amen. Amen, amen. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of all people. For in that, he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able. Somebody shout, he's able. He is able to succor or aid those who are tempted. He is able today. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Read a few scriptures there, and then I want to share with you. For a few moments. Luke chapter 4, you begin reading at verse 1. The Bible said, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned 
from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, somebody say, uh-oh. If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up to the high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority will I give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. And I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, until an opportune time. I want to preach just for a few moments on this thought. In God I trust. How many can say that today? In God I trust. Throughout the course of this scripture in Luke chapter 4, we're going to look at some things that are going to point our attention to what's most important in our walk with God. I'm excited, amen, today to be in his house. I'm excited to be here with you. But I'm most excited about what God has called us here for. And it wasn't just to shake hands and love on necks and tell everybody how wonderful they look today. But God has called us to this place for more than that, amen. He desires to save, to sanctify, to fill with his spirit, and to heal today. He desires to pour into our lives. And whatever God may be wanting to do in you today, I just trust that you'll just let him have his way. Amen. As he speaks to our lives through his word today, I ask God to bless this reading of his word. Father, we love you. God, we're grateful today for all that you're doing, for the lives that you're touching, for the path that you're leading us. God, for sending us, Lord, people who are willing to stand in the gap, to make up the hedge, to get in the, the place and purpose of God in their life. And Lord, we know, God, that if anything is going to be done here at Stonewall, it won't be done by one or two or, or five or six, Lord, but it's going to take every one of us working together to accomplish the work that you have called us to. Father, I pray in the midst of all that we may face of the enemy that we'll be reminded today to trust you. 
that God, when we leave this house, we will have a greater desire than ever before, a greatest, greater discernment than ever before concerning our walk. And Lord, what that we must guard ourselves against concerning the enemy. And we'll praise you forevermore in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Look at somebody around you and tell them, I trust God. I choose to trust God. Now, whether you meant that or not, God knows. But today my heart cries out that that would be the very cry of your heart. In God, I trust. We know in the book of Hebrews, as we've just read, that we have found that God has given us a high priest who was tempted likewise as we are, and because he was, that he is able, say that again with me somebody, he is able to succor us or to help us. When we read uh, that scripture in Hebrews, it reminds us uh, that we are empowered for victory, amen? Because we're not alone. Uh, God has called us to a higher place than just to be saved. He has called us to be an accomplishing people in the midst of a purpose that God has for us. Uh, how many are excited about uh, finding out what God is going to unfold in your life? Amen. I don't want you to get so in tune with coming to church and sitting on a pew that you forget that God has got a special desire for your life. Amen. It is my passion and my desire that God will, by His Holy Spirit, begin to quicken us and, and cause us to seek His face and to seek His will for our life. And then as He reveals it unto us to walk into it knowing this, that because Christ lived and because He was victorious, we too can be victorious not only through salvation but through the purpose that God has for us. Amen. I had someone uh, share with me the other day something through a text and uh, I can't remember exactly uh, how it was worded and I'm not going to say it here, but as I read that text, I, normally I, I would think it's going to be encouraging coming from this person, but it was uh, uh, almost, if you will, kind of a, a discouraging text and, and I kind of thought about that and the enemy, he likes to play with your mind, don't he? And he likes to get in there and let you uh, see something and begin to use it as a weapon against your spirit to try to hinder you from doing what God said do. And, and I kind of got it in my spirit a little bit and I let it bother me. Anybody ever been there? And I let it bother me just a little bit. And as I was uh, going throughout the week, I had to remind myself, uh, amen to God, that I'm not victorious uh, uh, by the criticisms or the opinions, whether they be good or not. Uh, I'm not uh, victorious by those things, but I'm victorious uh, by my faith and my trust in God. Amen. In this particular situation, it was not meant in a negative way toward me, but it was what the devil did to take it and try to, to sling it in my way in such a negative perspective. And I want to tell you today that's his desire. He wants to do everything he can to try to get us to trust in the thoughts that he is placing in our minds rather than the truth of God and to walk in the victorious power of who God is. Today, I 
want you to understand that we don't have time to let the enemy get in our mind and confuse us about trusting God. Trusting God is not always easy to do, but it is the thing that is important to us if we're going to see God do a thing in our life. Amen? If we're going to see a God do a thing in our church, we must be able to trust God. We must be able to see things that are of the enemy and to discern and to guard against what the enemy would desire to do in our church and in our life. How many knows that sometimes you trip up, you didn't even see it coming. And sometimes uh, we're going along and we don't expect things to happen, but they happen even though we, we didn't see it. Uh, sometimes things just happen. Uh, and so we need God to give us discernment. We need him to guide us. We need him to keep us in the way and, and protect us uh, through the storms that sometimes come our way as individuals uh, and as a church. But the biggest thing I want us to understand from this message today is that we don't have time uh, to consider what the enemy desires to speak into our life. We need to have a discernment about us that God will reveal to us and we'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that will guard against anything that would cause us not to put our trust in God. Amen? It's easy for us to look at what society would say and, and, and what man's opinion is concerning things and, and what the enemy would have us to hear concerning uh, uh, the help and the hope uh, that, that lies before us. But the truth of the matter is, uh, if we don't put our trust in God, we're in a mess. If we don't as children, as fathers, as husbands, as wives, amen today, as mothers, if we don't put our faith and our trust in God, then we are positioning ourselves to come into a situation that is going to be critically, critically destructive in our life. We need to trust in the living God. The Bible said that some will trust in chariots and some will trust in horses but we will trust in the name of our God. I come to tell, give him praise if you want to. I come to tell somebody today, amen, that, that, that God is calling us to trust in him. In this particular scripture, we find that there is no reason that we should not be able to trust in God. Amen. We have read throughout scriptures. We've experienced it time and time again. There is no excuse for people who have experienced God not to be able to trust God. Like Karen Wheaton once sang, if he did it before, somebody ought to know he'll do it again. Amen? If you've seen God march into your situation and save your children and deliver your family and your friends, if you've seen God move in your church, if you've seen God's glory, if you've seen the power of God's mercy and grace, you ought to know he'll do it again. You ought to know that he's still God, that he's still on the throne. This is today, amen, a very great indication that we should trust in God. Even when God's not moving in your time, even when God is not moving in your mind, you don't see this thing coming to fruition. You don't see God answering prayer. Don't you move. You keep your trust in God. Even when 
you feel like you're going through a desert. Keep your trust in God because the enemy will trip you up. He'll lock you up and he'll keep you locked in a deep, dark place. But I'm telling you, those that put their trust in the Lord, God will raise them up and he will use them and move in their life in very special ways. I come to tell somebody this morning that it's time that we trust in God again. In the book of Luke chapter 4, we find Christ as he has been baptized of John. The Bible said that he is being driven into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, full of the Holy Ghost. God is preparing him for ministry and he takes him out into the wilderness for 40 days. He eats nothing. He fasts. And after those 40 days will come to an end, the Word of God said that the enemy came, Satan came personally. He came to tempt him. I want to look at some of this this morning and let God just speak to our hearts concerning some of the narrative here that is important to our lives. The enemy came to tempt him in this season. And the first thing that he begins to say to him, he says, if you are the Son of God. How many knows that he is today? How many knows that he is the Son of God? That he is Jesus Christ, the Holy One. He is Emmanuel, which is to say God with us. The devil knew this, but he was trying to tempt him in such a way that he would cause him to feel a need to validate who he was by coming to him and telling him if you be. Amen. Has the enemy ever come to your mind and tried to speak to your heart and say if you're a child of God God would do this. And if you're a child of God you wouldn't be having such a rough time. Amen. If you're a child of God you wouldn't be feeling so low. Has the enemy ever lied to you in your life to try to get you to try to validate who you are and, and realize today amen to God that the enemy is the greatest tempter there ever was. He's the greatest liar there ever was. The Bible said he's a father of lies and, and so he comes to Christ with an intent to try to shift the narrative from who he was to a, a point of trying to prove that he was the son of God. If you be the son of God, command this stone to become bread. I want somebody to realize that it was not a sin necessarily if Christ would have wanted to turn the bread, uh, the, the, the stone into bread, uh, there would not have been anything wrong with that. Uh, and, and, and sometimes we get locked into the narrative uh, of what if he'd have done it. Well, it would have been all right uh, if he'd have done it, if he felt the need to do it, if God would have laid it upon his heart. Uh, but the point in this temptation was not the fact uh, that it would have been okay uh, under the circumstance if he'd have desired it. Uh, the fact was, uh, somebody shout, I need the facts. Uh, the fact was uh, that when the enemy comes to you to try to tempt you to do something that is not necessarily in the will of God, whether it be right, whether it be wrong, then you need to be aware of it because you don't have time for that temptation to take you into a place that can... 
that can cause you not to be able to fulfill the true purpose of God in your life. And he begins to command, to say to Jesus, command this stone. But Jesus responds to the temptation because he knows what the enemy's doing. It's high time that we as God's people stay prayed up and stay in a place in our relationship with God that we have a discerning of the spirit that we know how to respond when opposition comes. Amen. Come on, somebody. Am I here by myself today? It's high time that we begin to desire to walk closer to God than we do our cell phones. To walk closer to God than we do our television shows. To walk closer to God than we do our bank accounts. To walk closer to God than we do, come on now, our friendships. We need to be able to walk closer to God because there's an enemy out there that you can't see, but he's tempting you and he's trying to tempt me and we need to have a discerning spirit to know how to respond. Thank God Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, amen and the enemy was no match for our God. Hallelujah. He is no match for Jesus. Jesus turns that thing around on him and begins to reveal unto him. He said, it is written. In other words, I'm not going to trust in the flesh. I'm not going to trust in the lust of the flesh. I'm not going to trust in what I'm feeling. I'm hungry right now, but I'm not going to lean on my flesh. He said there's a bigger purpose here. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. you got to understand something about God. God, amen, is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Come on, somebody. Satan tempts to get Jesus to act upon the flesh alone and Physically, dear God, we know he needed something to eat. But the bigger picture was this, is that you don't let the enemy tempt you to step outside of God's will because God provided and he'll provide again. God. He provided and he'll provide again. Sometimes we get impatient. It's been 40 days since we've seen a move of God. It's been 40 years since we've seen a move of God. It's been this. It's been that. It's been 10 years. It's time to do something. It's time to act upon our flesh and to respond in a way that we can rectify the current situation. Can I tell somebody, he bad, that everything may not be wrong, but if God's not in it, and if God doesn't approve it, and if God's not leading you, that's what messes us up. We need to put our trust in God Almighty. I'm just a country boy with a message today that a big God, amen to the Lord, is pouring into our hearts to remind us that Jesus said, You can't live by your flesh. If you live by your flesh, you'll die. But you've got to live by every word of God in the Spirit. Come on now. 
every word of God. In other words, what Jesus was saying is I could give in, but I'd rather trust God. I could do it your way, devil. But I just think I'm going to do it God's way. How many times have people fallen flat on their face in their walk with God because they didn't do it God's way? They didn't wait on God. In the lust of the flesh, they gave in to what they were feeling in the weak moments of life, what they were longing for. Many marriages have been built upon lust. Amen, somebody. When they should have done it God's way and waited on God. Yeah. Many churches have become robotic in structure, but they have not the Spirit of God. You, you come to judge church. No, I come to tell somebody, amen to God, that we can't do it in the flesh alone. We have to have the Spirit of God. In God I trust. And many marriages have been built. Many churches have been structured. Many lives have gone down the wrong path because they chose to go hey, the way of temptation. And what does this mean, church? This means that when we get ourselves out of tune with God and we begin to live according to the world and according to the flesh, we find ourselves defeated of the enemy. We find ourselves not being able to accomplish what God is desired to accomplish. We find ourselves living in miserable situations because we did not wait on God. But I come to tell somebody today that Jesus said that we can live, but the way we're going to live is not going to be by the lust of the flesh. It's going to be by what God thus saith, the Lord. It's going to be by what thus says God. The Bible said Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. I'm talking to somebody that says I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God and I'm going to walk in his grace today. Yes, it's important for us to understand that spiritually we need the bread of life and the word of God which is eternal rather than a temporal, feel-good, fleshly desire. Amen. Jesus was disciplined. Yes. I was disciplining myself pretty good yesterday until Sister Rhonda just happened to throw that picture of that cake on there. I was doing good. Then I felt like see I done gained about 15 pounds since I got here. Bishop, the more pounds come on me, it slows me down. I ain't got time to slow down. 
So I got to make some decisions. And they ain't easy. But I still want to try a piece of that cake. But I got to be disciplined. My wife told me the other day, said, you need to go to the gym. Ain't it so? I bought it. Was it a year's worth of? A year's worth of uh, whatever you just said. $20 a month, ain't it? I've been one time. And all I did then was just kind of ride the bicycle just a little bit, trying to look like I was, because there's so many people in there, you know, you didn't want to look like you didn't know what you were doing. So, so I'm realizing it takes discipline. I'm looking around me and I'm seeing people on the treadmill. And I'm thinking, man, I wish I could do that. My knees won't let me, but I wish I could. I said, well, I'll get on the bicycle. So I'm on the bicycle. And before you know it, I'm kind of looking over to see other people around me. And I'm tempted to, to try to see how they're doing, how fast they're going, how far they're going. Because, you know, I, I don't want to look like I'm some weak somebody. So I didn't stay on long. I just tried to play it off. And I got up. And I started walking around to the other machines there. And I said, well, let me see. I'm just going, you know, and then the devil convinced me to just use that day as an as a, a investigational day. Just go around and just, just check out all, the, all these things. And so I did. I checked it out. I checked out the bench press. I checked out that thing supposed to make your tummy flat and, and all those things that's supposed to work all this. And I didn't mean to go here, but I, I think this is good. And I checked it all out. And then I went to the locker room because I was, I was trying to surmise because I wanted to make sure that I got my, if I started doing this like I should, then I want to make sure I had my clothes ready. If I had a locker, what I needed to do and so I could get in a routine. I wanted to get in a routine. But how many knows it takes discipline? Because anything can get you off course. The very next day, I had all intentions of going. And the rain came down. And I said, you know what? I just don't believe I feel like getting wet today. I'm going on to the office, and I'm going to go ahead and make the phone calls I need to make, do my, my study, my planning, whatever I need to do. So I come on to the office. Well, you didn't go. You didn't go to the gym. No, I let a little, rain, let a little bit of rain keep me from walking in there and doing what I ought to have been doing. And in that time, you got to be disciplined. Jesus had to be disciplined. Preacher, what do you do when, you, when you're trying to keep yourself from eating things you shouldn't eat? Not, not that nothing's wrong with it, but for me, I know I need to be disciplined because I'm trying to reach a goal. So what I do, well, first, I, I got to be disciplined to be able to get the, the physical exercise I need and then also the nutritional exercise I need. So it takes not only a physical but a spiritual working together. And this is what Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. 
but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. So then comes the spiritual part, which is a discipline to know when God says to move and when God says to stick there. To know when God says to press on. So if I'm dealing with a, with a bunch of cakes and Amen to God that looks so good. Sometimes I have to steer myself away from it. And I've been disciplined in the past, but my goodness, you folks at SPHC know how to cook. It ain't your fault. What are you saying here? I'm saying it takes discipline to walk according to the Spirit of God. It takes a great discipline to be able to, to keep yourself from allowing the enemy to tempt you and to bring you into a place of bondage in your walk with God. You don't have to prove who you are to the enemy. God has already... Come on now. And so Jesus then... As he continues on, the devil takes him up on a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for it this, uh, excuse me, for this has uh, been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if, it, uh, if you will worship me, then it will be yours. That devil's a liar. That devil didn't have authority to give anything away. Don't you know when he tempts, he'll tell you something sounds so good, but it'll be a lie. And Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Number two, him only shall you serve. Man shall not live by bread alone, but him only shall you serve. Jesus was once again here leaning to the truth of God's word while the devil was trying to offer him something that he had no authority to offer him because God had already given to him. Jesus told the disciples, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Ain't that good? Because that means in so many ways that if the Lord sets out to move and answer your prayer, ain't no devil in hell can stop him. He has all authority. If God chooses to answer prayer and move in a person's life, the authority that he has gives him. Oh, I, I, I'm getting this now. This is great. It gives him every liberty to accomplish in that situation, in that circumstance, whatever he chooses to accomplish. It's his authority. 
He says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. In other words, I, I've got the authority and, and I see what you're trying to do, but you know what? Devil, all this, all this that you're trying to offer me and you want me to bow down and worship you so I can have all this, even if you could give it to me, I still wouldn't bow. The enemy is a conniver. He is one that knows how to come in and to, and to trick. My goodness, somebody hear what I'm saying. Satan knew through prophecy, I'm sure he knew that Christ was the Son of God and he knew the purpose that he had come for. So if he could get him to, to be derailed from going to the cross, then he would have accomplished a great thing because the cross is the central hope of all humanity today. So he says, if I'll, I'll give you all this. Jesus said, no, no. You shall worship the Lord your God. There ain't nothing that you can put in, in my path, Satan, that'll cause me to bow before you or any other God. What does that mean? I, I, I know, give, me, give me just another hour. Jesus explicitly is an example to respond in ways that humanity should respond every day of their life. Nothing, somebody shout nothing. The devil has is worth your bowing to him for. Nothing, these young people need to hear this, nothing I was talking to somebody at my own kids yesterday and they just laughed at me. Dad, you sound old. We didn't have cell phones. We had those rotary phones and you had to have cords on them. You stretched them down the hallway if the cord was long enough for you to use them. We didn't have a lot of temptations in that respect. We rode bicycles. We, we did things that you did without cell phones and without some of the technology we had today. Well, we did have a, 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 a little bit of stuff. But I'm telling you, the devil is throwing more in the paths of people today than he's ever thrown before. There is so much more laying in the paths of our children and even, amen to God, all humanity today, more than ever before. Don't you, don't you be mistaken, amen. There's some, there's some senior citizens that knows how to get their groove on on a cell phone. Rut road. It ain't just the young folk. And cell phones ain't a bad thing unless they become your God. Many people have sold out to the enemy just so they could have all that he has showed them in their path. Some people have sold out to Hollywood. Some people have sold out to, amen, to, to be able to, to just live in what they would consider the lap of luxury, not realizing that all is vanity, amen. These things won't last forever. It's called the lust of the eyes, amen. The lust of the eyes 
a picture of what life could be like. But he never shows you the cross. If you ever are led to the cross, it will not be by your enemy. Amen. Satan ain't about to lead you to the cross. He's going to throw everything in your path. He's going to throw people in your path. He's going to uh, 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 throw good-looking women and good-looking men, amen, in your path. He's going to throw people in your path. That's why marriages get broke up, because they're having a hard time. Instead of trusting God, something good comes along. It's good preaching now. Well, I just didn't love you anymore. No, you didn't trust God. Sometimes we got to understand what the enemy's doing. Have a discernment of what the enemy's doing. Everything looks good. Ain't always good for you. I'd rather be faithful to God and trust God than lose out on what he could do through my life just because the enemy, amen, convinced me that I could have things if I just give in, if I just... I, goodness. I'm talking to somebody today that needs to understand that if we could let everything else get behind us and get our eyes fixed on God, amen, realizing that the enemy will throw everything he can in your path to keep you from the cross. But there is a cross that provides abundant life and Satan, amen, if you kneel at that cross, cannot stop the flow that comes from it somebody ought to shout amen there's a flow from Emmanuel's veins there's a flow and the devil don't want you there amen he wants to offer you everything as a substitute of what God has for you but I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold I'd rather have him than wealth untold I'd rather have Jesus come on somebody I'd rather have him. He's everything. Nothing that the enemy has can ever take the place of what God has for me in my life. What do you do when temptation is thrown your way? When you see things that the enemy wants you to see and they look so tempting you remember in God I will trust I want to be what God wants me to be not what the enemy wants me to be and then thirdly Look at somebody say, accept no substitute. Thirdly, he takes Jesus up to 
the pinnacle of the temple and he says to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. He was quoting scripture. But Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. God is not to be tempted but trusted. If you'll come on to the piano, if you will, I want to finish this up. Testing God is akin to manipulating God. You can't give in to the flesh. You can't give in to the pride of the eyes. And you must never give in to the pride of life. Don't test God, trust him. In Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, uh, in this scripture that we've read in Luke, Christ is referring to what happened at Rephidim. Children of Israel were on a journey, the Bible said, away from the wilderness of sin. And they pitched their tents in Rephidim. When they got there, there was no water. Now you got to remember these same children of Israel were the ones that saw the plagues that God sent. They saw the Red Sea parting. They saw manna fall from heaven. How many have seen God do some great things in your life? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many know him as Lord and Savior of your life? How many has prayed to God and God answered your prayer? How many have seen God move when you saw no hope and you prayed and you prayed and finally God sent the answer? How many didn't pray about a thing? Didn't necessarily, let's just be honest, some things you just didn't pray about. You didn't see it coming, but God did. And in one moment you've seen God move in a situation you didn't even pray about because you didn't really know anything about, about it to pray about it. But you've seen God reveal His grace in that thing. And you knew it was God. How many has ever about to been, a, been about to be in a very critical situation, but you felt the angels of God show up in your situation and keep you safe? God's Holy Ghost revealed to your life. This is where the children of Israel were. They'd seen that. But the problem was, there was no water. No water. And we done seen God move, been eating. God been feeding us at the buffet of manna. And 
We've seen him defeat our enemy. Now we're out here and there's no water here in Rephidim. What in the world are we going to do? So the thing they did, instead of trust God, they decided to tempt God. They turned on God's man and they began to rebuke Moses. And, and they said, well, why do you bring us out here to, to st- cause us to thirst to death? Our children, our cattle, and all of us, you brought us out here. And Moses, I'm sure he's sitting there thinking, man, did you, did you lose your mind? Come on, somebody. Don't you, don't you know what God's done so far? Don't you know what God is capable of doing? Don't you give in to this thought narrative. I'm sure Moses was feeling that. But they kept complaining, saying, you should have left us back in Moses, in Egypt, Moses. They stopped trusting God and entered into a manipulative mindset. You've brought us out here to die. And then they said, is the Lord among us or is he not? Well, if he's really here, he ought to be doing something right now. Let me tell you something. God has called us not to tempt him, but to trust him. We have seen God move. We don't need to get an attitude with God to try to manipulate God to move. We just need to fall in love with Him again and get hunger and thirst after Him again. Amen. Stand with me if you will. We need to quit giving in to the flesh and giving in to the, to the eyes and giving in to the pride of life. Amen to God. There are going to be times when God's not seemingly moving the way we'd like for Him to move, but we don't need to tempt Him in those cases. We need to trust Him and trust Him with all our heart. I want to ask somebody, is there anyone here who's had enough of the devil's schemes in your life? Anybody here who's had enough of the devil's schemes in your family? Anybody who's had enough of the devil's schemes and his lies and his tactics? And you just want to lift your hand this morning and say, God, I will trust in you. Oh, when you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't have a a great buffet of water sitting in a dry place, when I need water at that very moment, I'm still going to trust in you because you've taken care of me this far. You're going to see me through. You've done it before. You're going to do it again. I will trust in you. See, this morning, I, I, I believe that the Lord would have me to challenge you. Is there anybody in here that has been tempted of the enemy and the enemy has has literally, literally fiercely been after you to give in but this morning you've been reminded that I'm going to trust in God I'm not going to let the enemy get me out of step I'm not giving in to my flesh and my feelings I'm not giving in to what I see I'm not giving in to the pride of life I'm not going to tempt God I'm going to worship Him only 
Amen. And I'm going to live by his word. If that's you this morning, you need to make a declaration to the enemy. I'm tired of your schemes. I'm tired of your lies in my family and in my life. And I've come to lift my hands before God and say, I will trust you today. If that's you, will you come right now? All over this church, maybe it's more than one. Get out your seat and come. I'm not giving in. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you, God.